Grab Plumbing and Heating in Sheridan says let's all take time to donate a toy, warm jacket, and food to our local donation center or favorite charity this holiday season. Many children or families may be forgotten unless we all get involved. Wrap Plumbing and Heating. For all repairs, remodels, service work, and new construction and installation, Wrap Plumbing and Heating in Sheridan, located at 125 North Sheridan. Whether residential or commercial, call 307-429-1196. This announcement brought to you by Farmers Co-op Country Store on Coffin Avenue, home of ethanol-free premium fuel. Are you willing to help a child in need this holiday season? Hi, I'm Jamie from Big Brothers Big Sisters. I invite you to come down to Kid Curious, Toy Store and More, and grab a tag from the Tree of Compassion, benefiting one of the children in our program, sponsored by First Federal Bank and Trust. Your kindness can make a difference in a child's life. Happy holidays from all of us at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Bronk and Lady Bronk fans, the high school basketball season tips off this weekend as the Bronk and Lady Bronk teams travel to Riverton for the first basketball tournament of the season. And Aaron Lagaki with Sheridan Media Sports will be there to bring you all the exciting action, starting with the Lady Bronx Thursday night game at 6 p.m. against Riverton, followed by the Bronk game, as well as the Friday and Saturday games. Listen to all the action on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO and on SheridanMedia.com starting on Thursday at 6 p.m. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse this morning. I am joined by Sheridan Memorial Hospital Doctor of Internal and Addiction Medicine, Jason Ackerman. Good morning, Doc, and welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for letting me come back. I I love having you on here. Uh, You and I touched on uh, issues that I've had with alcoholism just a little bit the last time you were here. Uh, We will be addressing a lot of that today. But before we get into this, how's your fall season going? It's, It's great. Um, certainly we are seeing kind of an uptick in people, uh, just having a little bit more problems. And I think that's, that does seem to, there's, there's always a seasonal component to the addiction. Um, fall comes, winter comes, days get dark, things get colder. Just seems to, it just seems like we see a little bit more. So there is a correlation to the patients that you see depending upon a season, or would you say that? I, I think there is. And, and I think some of it is just that, um, addiction issues are always tied so closely to mental health and behavioral health. And I think holidays can be really, really great for a lot of people, but it can also be a really big struggle. Um, and, and so I think as that struggle increases, certainly the addiction problems also increase. I'll admit, you know, when I was drinking, there were certain holidays mm-hmm. where I locked the door and got a bottle and sat down by myself. And that's how I spent my day. Right. Unfortunately. But, um, I'm sure it's it's not all you deal with, but why study and practice addiction medicine? What got you into this field? So um, while I was doing my internal medicine residency, uh, some of the attending, some of the attending doctors that I worked with, um, I think you always find that person in life that you want to be like them. They're your role models. And, and they worked really heavily with addiction. And so as I started doing more and more of that in my practice here, I kind of realized just just the rewards that go with it. Um, I 
I love internal medicine and, and I love the disease prevention and the study of, of everything and trying to solve the problems. But at some point when you're treating numbers, cholesterol numbers, blood pressure numbers, you feel like you're just treating numbers. But when you make a difference in addiction, you can see these people in their 20s, 30s, 40s go from homeless to all of a sudden they're getting their house back and their families back. And it just feels like you're, you're really helping people get back in their entire life. And it's, it's just really rewarding. Absolutely. And, and I've seen that story uh, a couple times. I'm lucky enough to see that story a couple times. I've seen it go the other way as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you have as well. And, and before we get uh, really onto it, uh, Let's address the basics. What is addiction? Yeah, so that's that's a really good question. And and really what it comes down to is just loss of control. So certainly there's there's physical components of addiction, especially when we talk about substance use, alcohol or opiates or stimulants. And at some point the body just doesn't respond the same if they don't have if the body doesn't have those substances involved. And certainly with alcohol when you get to that addictive dependency point, if you don't have alcohol, you go through withdrawals. And um, many times people are only drinking in, in order to function. Um, they're not drinking to have fun anymore. They're drinking just so that they don't go through those withdrawals. And then there are the behavioral parts of it. People continue to use it even though they're suffering big consequences. And that can be loss of job, loss of family members, um, drinking despite health consequences and ending up in the hospital or the emergency department over and over. And, and really, I think the, the hallmark of addiction though, is just that complete loss of control, like not being able to stop when you want to stop or having it go on way longer than you want it to go on. You know, there's certain misconceptions, I guess you can say, or, or perceptions that are out there. I carried at one time two flasks, uh, one for vodka and only vodka was allowed in that flask. And then one for whatever whiskey I was drinking at the time. And to me, I was of age. There was nothing illegal or wrong about what I was doing. Um, being able to produce a flask wherever, whenever, you know, it's, I don't know. It's that image, you know, Mm -hmm. it's almost unfortunately, romantic. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and me, I wanted to be the writer of the next great American novel. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of those creative minds had lost themselves in alcohol, which, you know, unfortunately led to a lot of, uh, deaths, mm-hmm. but it was that romantic image of the suffering writer, you know, right. and, and, and I'm not saying that's what led me to my personal alcoholism, but for sure. That idea of that alcohol, it's legal, it's romantic. I don't have to worry about this. Right. Do you see that often? We see that all the time. And, and I think that's that's really a great way to describe it because we see a ton of people, even after they have, have stopped drinking or, or are trying to stop drinking, they can look at just all of the destruction that alcohol has caused around them, whether it's you know just to their own body or their social life or professional life, but they can still romanticize that feeling of, of that, you know, that first intoxication, that first drunk, and that's kind of what everybody is always chasing. And and somehow the mind holds on to that positive image way stronger than it does to all of the negative consequences of alcohol. 
And that's crazy. And I'm glad you brought that up because we hear that all the time. You know, oh, you're, you're chasing that first experience. You're chasing that. And I used to think it was kind of, you know, just something that people said, but it's really what we're doing. What is it about that? Have we found anything as to why we hang on to that positive uh, aspect of the experience? So we know just genetically some people are going to be more prone to addictions. And so we, as, as we've studied this just over the last five, 10 years, we've realized that genetics make up about 60% of somebody's risk factor. So over half of the risk of becoming um, addicted to any sort of substance and even extending that out to gambling um, is about over half of that is genetic. Um, there's a ton of other things that go into it too, mental health. And so various uh, diagnoses, whether it's anxiety or depression or more extreme bipolars or schizophrenias, like that plays a huge role in this. Um, but there's been some really interesting studies done recently in mice with amphetamines and it's the brain actually makes different memories when people are intoxicated on on stimulants and we kind of assume the same about about some opiates and alcohol that it's um a slightly less stable memory but it it encourages those positive recollections and so it, it's a it's a really interesting pathway with a, a protein called actin and as some someday in the future, that might be one of the targets that we use for for treatment. But right now, we do know that it's kind of different memories that are formed. That's fascinating. the 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 chemistry in the brain obviously it has been changed, right? And the way that that memory is formed is altered. Yeah. And so it's 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 literally the rosy colored glasses, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. That is fascinating. We can actually somewhat gauge that as yes. of right now. When and I know I'm getting off on a, a side tangent here, but with the gambling, is that more of like a dopamine addiction? Can we become, <clears throat> excuse me, addicted to our own dopamine? We can, and that's that's been one kind of one of the the fascinating trends in understanding addiction over these you know last again ten years, fifteen years, is we now know that this is not just somebody making bad choices. Like there is truly a biologic disease component to this. And so, you know, we can stick people in very fancy spec scanners and with certain dyes, and we can point to exactly which part of the brain is going to light up at various stages in the addiction. Wow. And interestingly, gambling follows that exact same pattern. And so even though we don't necessarily have opiates hitting the opiate receptor or alcohol, you know, hitting every receptor in the brain, you don't have a substance doing that. But those same parts of the brain light up and you still get that dopamine rush and you still have you know, those same brainstem areas being activated when people are going through gambling withdrawal, which turns out is a real thing. Wow. And, and uh, again, uh, you know, the misconception that this, oh, well, that's a choice that he's making mm -hmm. to go and do that. The brain is literally guiding that individual to do that. It is. And the, the really fascinating part about that is when... <clears throat> when people are going through withdrawal or starting to have those cravings, the part of the brain that's lighting up is, is the brainstem part. Uh, and so the brainstem is really, that's the make your heart beat, make your lungs breathe. You know, if, if there's kind of that rustling in the bushes in the dark, it, you get the fight or flight response. So that withdrawal is really tied to the survival part of the brain. And so it is literally your brain saying you need this substance you need to do this or, or you will die. So it's, it takes a lot to overcome that. So we've actually essentially found the need 
for this is primal. Well, yeah, absolutely. Once you cross that line into addiction, it, it truly is a, a primal response in the brain. That is incredible. Um, and I think it's, it's really beneficial for those people out there to realize that, yes, you, you have control. You have to seize control mm-hmm. back, but your brain is working against you right now. And, yes. and so to, to fail, we can fail and still return uh, once again, which I, I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I failed multiple times. Yeah. I told myself I was going to quit drinking. This is it. This is the last rock bottom I'm going through, only to fail six months later. And, and to know that, well, it wasn't always this willing choice. It, it, my brain literally guided me to that, where it's like, you are feeling this, and I'm not making excuses. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we have actually discovered. Right. And, and I think that, I think when I talk with a lot of patients, it, it can be very helpful and just validating, you know, they have tried. It's not like, it's not that they're wanting to continue drinking. Like this is, this is truly a battle. And I think now that we understand it as a disease process, the, the great part about that is we also have treatments that can target that. And so while the patient themselves has to be the one to take the responsibility you know, I, I always joke with patients, like, I've got a lot of meds that can help tip the odds in your favor, but I don't have one that's going to knock the bottle out of your hand. Like, yeah. it really does have to start with the patient. But understanding that disease process gives us a lot of options for treatment. And we see that a lot in nicotine addiction. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a, we got this new pill. It's going to get rid of the cravings. We've got this patch that'll help get rid of the cravings. Right. And once those cravings are gone, the battle is much easier to win. Right. But it's still a battle. It's yes. still hard. And, and, the, and people definitely have to put in the work, but, but yeah, it, it tips the odds so much more in the patient's favor. Now, what is the difference between drug addiction and drug abuse? Is there one? There, there is, and I think it's, it's an important distinction. And abuse purely means that we're, we're using things in probably not a very safe manner. And so, again, genetics end up playing a, a big role in that. There's people that can go to a party and take a few pills and walk away and not really think about it again. Or there's people that can go and maybe overdo it a little bit at the bar or have a few more drinks and and not really think about it anymore. And so we know that those things are putting their health at risk. They are putting um, possibly social connections at risk, but they're not necessarily causing that dependence problem. So true addiction is where, again, your brain and body just don't function without that. Um, and, and so once you've got to that point where you, you can't function without it, you're losing control of it, and that's, that's the true addiction. And so we look at everything kind of on a, on a spectrum. You know, there's unsafe alcohol use where you might have one or two more drinks than, than the American College of Physicians would recommend but not necessarily going to have big consequences. There's alcohol abuse where maybe you're really going for it and the binge drinking, you know, you you go out one night and have six or eight drinks too many and that's a a real problem, but you're not necessarily to the addicted point. And then you get all the way to that, you know, the other end of the spectrum where you truly are needing it to function. And even within the the realm of addiction, there's, there's that huge gap. There's people that are very addicted to alcohol and maybe drinking five or six drinks a day on the other hand, you have people that are, are needing to go through a fifth a day or more, which is, which is 16 to 18 drinks a day. And so there's just everything exists on a spectrum. And, and I think that's kind of the important takeaway is 
it's it's never too early to intervene on that. Now, I'm glad that you brought up the binge drinking because I would say <clears throat> that is probably one thing that led ultimately to my addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's not every day, right? right. That's, that's what I tell it. Well, it's not every day. Yes, when I go out, it's far too much. Mm-hmm. But I've got control of this because it's not every day. And so you make these excuses. Uh, I, I had a, a great sponsor who used to tell me all the time, I can find 10,000 reasons to take a drink from here to the door. Right. You know, and I've got 10,000 more excuses as to why I need to do that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's started with this abuse mm-hmm. of, of the substance in the first place. But again, perception, I wasn't abusing and I was just going out having fun with my college buddies or my army buddies and that's just the way it is right next thing i knew i was drinking every day right and but again a process and uh we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this i gotta take a quick commercial break we'll continue with sheridan memorial hospital doctor of internal and addiction medicine jason ackerman right after this you're listening to public pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 fm sheridan First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media as part of their community commitment. Boy Scout Troop number 117 and Cub Scout Pack 385 receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Download the McDonald's app, join My McDonald's Rewards to get your free large fries with a $1 minimum purchase. Plus, when you join My McDonald's Rewards, you start earning points on every eligible order. Points you can put towards more free food. Just order, relax, and enjoy. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store, download the McDonald's mobile app, and start saving. Download it now. Just in time for your holiday dinners, the Health Nut announces that they have organic and natural turkeys, Beeler's spiral-cut hams, gluten-free and regular stuffing, fresh organic cranberries, organic yams and potatoes, gluten-free and regular gravy, gluten-free and regular dinner rolls, gluten-free and regular homemade pies, dairy-free and regular whipped topping. Order your Thanksgiving pies early. Pick them up to ensure they are fresh. The Health Nut for healthy holiday dinners. This is Ken here at Prime Rate Motors, where we understand everybody's situation is different. We recently had a customer that needed to keep his ranch truck, not traded in. What he needed was a car for town. After visiting with him, we discovered that what he did have was an extra stock trailer. We were able to take that trailer in as a trade-in and got him a nice economy car that was good on gas and easy to park downtown. Stop in. Let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com. ERA Carroll Realty is back with the 7th Annual Holiday Shopping Sweepstakes. This is your chance to win $1,000 in gift certificates and chamber bucks from our Sheridan and Buffalo merchants. And we've tied into a national campaign to give you a chance at winning $15,000 cash. Shop local first. All across the area, shop here first. 
five winners will receive prizes totaling $1,000 to retailers like Susie Garber Johnson with D.A. Davidson, Landon's Greenhouse and Nursery, True Built Builders, Designing Dinners, Babes, Flowers, and Urban Thrift. Just go to the contest page at sharedandmedia.com. Enter once each day through December 12th. Hi, this is Lisa Hansen with ERA Carroll Realty. We're about more than real estate. We're about family, friendship, and community. Happy holidays. Shop local first. All across the area, shop here first. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guest this morning is Doctor of Internal and Addiction Medicine at Sheridan Memorial Hospital, Dr. Jason Ackerman. Now, in the first part, we did discuss what addiction is and some of the misunderstandings that we all share about addiction. And uh, for approximately 14 years, I regularly drank quite heavily. For a few of those years, yes, years, I drank daily. And in 2015, after hitting a true rock bottom, I quit. And it took a lot of therapy, a lot of counseling, and yes, some prescribed drugs to help me out of that hole. It was the most difficult thing I could probably say I've ever done in my life. Doctor, what is alcohol use disorder? So, so again, alcohol use disorder kind of uh, is a spectrum and, you know, we, we like to be as precise as we can in our diagnoses. And so it, it ranges from mild to moderate to severe, but essentially it's how much is that substance or how much is alcohol impairing you? Are you having social consequences from it, life consequences, health consequences? Are you physically dependent where you just can't function without it? Um, and, and how much of that is just kind of loss of control? Have you tried to quit, tried to stop, tried to cut back, and it just doesn't work for you? You actually have to have that next drink in order to make it through the night, make it through the day, make it to work. Um, and and so, so, again, it's it's a spectrum just depending on how severe the, the alcohol affects their lives. I have a memory uh, more than one day, probably for at least a six-month period, the drinking started at noon. Uh, it was two shots of vodka just to get me where I needed to be to get through the rest of the day until finally, 6 p.m., now we can really start drinking. Uh, and, and I know that seems absurd to many, but I know at the same time there's people out there listening right now who are doing the exact same thing. I need this to get mm-hmm. through the day. How common is addiction? How commonly are you seeing this problem among the Sheridan population? So, so addiction is, is shockingly common. And, and I think if we look at just alcohol use disorder, which is, which is kind of mostly what we're talking about today, it's interesting because if you look uh, across the country, you see a little over 10% of people have an alcohol use disorder. And so it doesn't necessarily matter age or race or sex, like it is, it's a fairly constant number, which means one in 10 people is struggling with alcohol use disorder in, in some way, shape or form. And if you look nationally, the numbers are, are pretty staggering. There's uh, over 29 million people last year uh, in the United States alone that, that suffered from an alcohol use disorder. 
unfortunately, what we also see is is people reaching out for for treatment for help is also extremely low. And so, of those twenty nine million, only about one point four million people sought out help. So that's less than five percent of people actually get out and and look for help. Um, we've seen studies where people even can go into hospitals and and have very clear alcohol-related problems, and only about 2% of those people are offered medications for help. And so part of that, I think, is just understanding addiction. Um, we've, we've come a long ways, and a lot of people aren't necessarily um, savvy to the fact that we can treat addiction. Um, but I think there's also, there is just that huge shame component, unfortunately. And I think one of the big pushes in addiction medicine is to destigmatize this and and, and be able to treat it like a disease. You know, if people were so ashamed that they wouldn't come to the doctor to help their, their heart disease or their diabetes, we would be in, in a terrible way. You know, unfortunately, alcohol has, has just tremendous consequences and, and frequently people struggle with that shame component and just having a really hard time reaching out for help. Especially if they're in a, a, a high profession job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this, isn't helping my image but at the same time it would be worse if it got out that i went and received treatment uh, whether that be within the office or any anything else what is happening to us uh, physiologically when we drink alcohol so alcohol is is one of the the more interesting substances and not necessarily interesting in a good way but it it, it truly affects everything so alcohol itself, uh, we know is metabolized through the liver. And so we can cause a lot of liver damage, both, both acutely and chronically. Um, and so we think of people going into chronic liver failure is kind of traditionally what we think about. But death of alcohol. Death of alcohol. Yeah. yeah cirrhosis of the liver. Um, but we also know it, you know, it impacts the heart. You can have heart failure coming just purely from alcohol. It's directly toxic to the nerves. And so people have nerve problems and pain in their feet and hands and all sorts of neuropathy. From the brain perspective, alcohol is a little bit of a messy substance. So, so other substances can really target very specific receptors. And, and, you know, with that, we have really good targeted treatments and medications. It does, they, they do very um, targeted, they act in a very targeted manner. Alcohol really affects almost all of the neurotransmitters. And so, and it can be directly toxic to the brain, to the nerves in the brain. It can impair memories. It can recreate uh, a physiologic depression. And so people can have depression basically just from the alcohol. It can even cause an alcohol-induced bipolar syndrome. And so people can have a, a true bipolar syndrome just purely from, um, from the alcohol itself. So there really isn't much of the body that isn't touched by heavy alcohol use. That's incredible. Uh, and you, you, you don't tend to think that alcohol is kind of the, the whole package, right? you know, when it comes to affecting the brain, you tend to think that other things are a lot more dangerous and, and maybe they are specifically because they kill you faster. Mm -hmm. But to me, it sounds like alcohol would be a more drastic uh, addiction than others just I, because it's it sounds like a bigger hill to climb it it really is it really is um, just just solely based on the number of neurotransmitters affected like it does get much more difficult to treat that's incredible now 
is it is it just genetics that cause some people to become addicted to alcohol or abuse alcohol, feel the need to abuse alcohol more than others? Uh, you know, before the show, we talked about the example of uh, the the two lawyers uh, going out and having the exact same amount of drinks. One mm-hmm. guy doesn't really mind; the other guy is strapped down to a table because he's throwing a fit. Mm-hmm. We used to call it an allergy because we had nothing right. else to call it. Right. Genetics? Genetics are a huge component. So, yeah, so well over half the risk factor, we, we estimate about 60% of the risk factor is genetics. But, but there's a lot of, of other things that can go into it. Um, certainly various mental health and behavioral health conditions. So um, we see a lot of alcohol use in, in patients that have had traumatic traumatic events and so PTSD can can play a huge role in that uh, we see a, a lot of people with underlying anxiety and alcohol uh, tends to medicate that and really uh, it, it makes people much more prone to that dependence if they're self-medicating their anxiety and so I think that is always one of the hard parts about the mental health component of it is you know alcohol can cause all of these problems but a lot of times people come in with these problems and to start drinking alcohol and self-medicate. And so it really is a chicken or the egg kind of question. And when you see your patients, is, is there a practice or a policy that you have that asks them to seek mental health counseling? So we always make that available. Um, one of the things that I really always stress with patients is that there is no one right way to recovery. You know, and, you know, we have, we have great counselors in the area and mental health uh, is, is a huge component of recovery. Uh, we, have, we have a really strong AA community in Sheridan and that can be really, really beneficial. Um, there's medications and so, so some people need just one or the other. A lot of people need all of it. So, so I don't ever, ever mandate that as part of recovery, but we kind of offer it as options so that each person we can kind of figure out exactly what fits them and what they need from that. Um, but I would say for, for most people, an underlying depression, anxiety, bipolar tends to be the rule rather than the exception in addiction. And, you know, we estimate anywhere between 60 and 80% of people with an addiction issue have an underlying mental health disorder. And I think one of the crucial things is, is really addressing that because you can, you can do everything to, to quit the substance, but unless we under, you know, unless we, we really root out that underlying cause and address that, that recovery can be kind of short-lived. I had a man tell me once that I didn't have a drinking problem. I had a thinking problem <laughs> and, and I had to uh, address that. So when I started on my road to recovery, I threw my hat in every ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it takes is, is basically the thought process I went in there with. Right. Um, multiple counselors, uh, at the VA in, in Cheyenne and, uh, up here, uh, I had prescription drugs that helped me kind of ease those cravings that, uh, came along also helped with the PTSD that I was suffering from. Um, and yes, I, I went to AA for, for quite some time. It was one of those things where I was willing to try just about anything out of desperation to keep that bottle out of my hand. Um, but ultimately, it just comes down to making that choice first, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, 
we talked uh, briefly offline. We talked about gabapentin. Is that something that you have prescribed in the past or not? Yeah, frequently. And so, so gabapentin is is a great medication. And so, one of the the interesting things about the the study of alcohol addiction is, you know, we do have a lot of medications and a lot of targets that we can treat. And so, there are are three FDA approved medications for alcohol use disorder. Um, Gabapentin actually is not one of them. It's an off-label use, but it tends to be one of our gold standard medications. And really, it can kind of help people with um, cravings. It's been shown to reduce the amount of alcohol people drink, reduce the number of drinking days, um, increase the chance that people can completely eliminate alcohol. More than that, though, when people stop drinking, oftentimes there's a a period of about a month or, or so, maybe a little bit more, where everything is just kind of terrible. And so we call it a protracted withdrawal syndrome and depression is worse. Anxiety is through the roof. Sleeping is a problem. And, and gabapentin based on the receptors it hits in the brain can, can kind of smooth that process out for people. And if you can make it through that first month to six weeks, like that's really the highest time for returning to alcohol use. And so if we can help you through that period, that, that is absolutely beneficial. So and then gabapentin, the, the nice part about that one is it has been shown to be safe for a long time. And so I have patients that are on it for that six weeks. I have patients that are on it for years. And and so there's a lot of options there with medications. And when it came to the gabapentin, uh, my own personal experience, <clears throat> the VA uh, allowed me to pretty much take as much as I want. And, and I didn't abuse it. And it was easy to get off of. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I noticed. I never missed gabapentin right the way that i missed alcohol um and and i did have a lot of counseling as well i mean i had three separate counselors who were dealing with three separate things in my life and i was constantly going in there but i think that's what it really took to get me there right and and it's interesting because there are so gabapentin is certainly a very helpful medication and it is one that is, it's not commonly abused, but occasionally it can be abused. And so we have to go into it with a little bit of caution. But in general, there's a lot of things where we can look at it and just find like, what is going to be the safer way to address this while we're, while we're allowing the, the rest of the recovery to kind of take hold. And whether, again, that's counseling or AA or family support, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to approach that. And our medications are, are really there to kind of treat the underlying problem by time while you essentially reprogram your brain and, and reprogram that frontal lobe and thinking part of the brain. And I would say that took me two years. Mm-hmm. Two years. Uh, I isolated myself for quite some time and just kind of made that conscious decision. What kind of man do I want to be? Because I've got to reinvent who I am. I've got to put this one down got to create somebody else the u.s army used to take us in and do evaluations during those evaluations we were asked how many drinks we had in a given week guys i know it's uh, wrong to do but every time i lied because i knew if i told the truth i would spend the next two hours talking to the chaplain in the other <laughs> office we all tended to do that mm-hmm. and we joked around about it afterwards mm-hmm over drinks my question is what are the signs because i'm looking at this pad 
clicking these yes or no's, mm-hmm. going, okay, well, yeah, I do that, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Right. Is there an evaluation that we can give ourselves where we're like, okay, I haven't crossed the line just yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and it's interesting because there's a lot of different tools that we can use that have have been validated in terms of, of just saying, is this person at risk? Do we need to, to look at this a little bit more? Um, you know, one of the, one of the classic med school, uh, uh, questions that we, that we used to use our questionnaires was called the cage questionnaire. And so C A G E and have you thought about cutting down on alcohol use? Um, are a, are other people annoyed by your alcohol use? Gee, have you felt guilty about how much you're drinking? And then E, have you ever had an eye-opener? Um, meaning, have you ever had to drink at noon to get going or, or for breakfast to get going? And if there's a, a positive answer to any one of those, it means that we should maybe dive into that a little bit more. There are there are other kind of better validated questions that we use. Um, for example, that some of them look at number of drinks. Like for, for men, how many times in the last year have you had five drinks or more in a day? Um, for women, how many times have you had three to four drinks or more in a day? And and then starting looking at frequency of that. But really it all then comes down to when we're screening, how is it impacting your life? And I would say when I was doing just um, pure internal medicine and running an internal medicine clinic, there were a lot of times where really had suspicion or, or pretty much knew that somebody was using more alcohol than they should based on lab values or or just certain answers or tendencies um, now running an addiction clinic, it's, it's much easier because people don't generally come into my clinic unless they've fully admitting they have a problem. They, they have taken an evaluation. Right. And, and so they're, you know, people are much more proactive. Uh, and so I think to that extent, it's a little bit easier for me. Um, but I think if somebody has ever wondered, am I overdoing this a little bit? That's probably a good indication that they are. Just a, that's, that's a great thought. If you're having to question yourself, then you probably are. Because if you feel it, I imagine someone around you feels mm-hmm. it. Doc, how do people get a hold of you? Um, so so our clinic, we're very easy to contact. Um, you can look at our website. Um, our on the For the hospital website, our information is on there. Um, our phone number is uh, 675-2674. You can call. And we have a really amazing clinic. So our, our, our front desk person, Haley, is just amazing. But then our, our clinic is small. It's me and, and a, a physician's assistant, Casey McKenzie. We have a couple of certified addiction nurses, Shiloh and Katie. So if anybody just has a question, they can call and, and we can get you in for an appointment, can answer questions. They, um, really, our clinic is all about kind of harm reduction and helping people. So if we can find ways to, to get you in and help, we'll do it. Doc, I want to thank you so much for coming in this morning. Uh, it's always a pleasure being able to sit down and talk to you about these things. Um, yeah, I'm already looking forward to our next show together. Perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to have a quick word with Sage Community Arts. So you're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Shared Media as part of their community commitment. Boy Scout Troop number 117 and Cub Scout Pack 385 
receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. It's time once again for Moss Holders Design Center's Snowflake Sale. Here's how it works. Stop by Moss Holders, choose the items you want to buy, and then you'll get to draw for a discount. Every customer will receive at least 10% off, but several customers will get 15, 25, and 30% off their purchases. One lucky customer will draw our 50% snowflake, receiving half off their entire sale. Let Moss Holders add some fun to your Christmas shopping this year. Moss Holders Snowflake Sale runs through December 23rd. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Hi, this is Dan Marshall with Captain Clean. We are Northern Wyoming's premier cleaning service. Carpet cleaning, air duct cleaning, oriental rug cleaning, water and fire damage restoration, mold remediation, upholstery cleaning, tile and grout cleaning, hardwood floor cleaning, and much, much more. Nobody cleans like we do. Call Captain Clean today, 672-0726. Affordable solutions for healthy living. We clean more for you. Get ready for a sleigh ride of savings at Waring Sheridan Chevrolet, your holiday destination for all things Chevy. They've decked the halls with an incredible lineup of nearly 30 brand new Chevy Silverado pickups on the lot. It's a season of giving, and we're giving you a chance to save big with up to $5,000 in rebates or more on select Silverados. Dash into Waring Sheridan Chevrolet today. Wrap up the year with a bow on top of a Silverado of your dreams and discover the wearing way of buying a vehicle online at wearingsheridan.com. The holiday season is upon us, and the Wyoming Beer Distributors Association would like to remind you to enjoy your favorite alcoholic beverage responsibly. If you've had too much to drink, don't drive. If you host a party, be the perfect host to make sure your guests don't drive with one too many under their belt. Drinking and driving just don't mix. The Wyoming Beer Distributors wish everyone a happy and safe holiday season. This message sponsored by the Wyoming Beer Distributors Association, the Wyoming Association of Broadcasters, and this station. It's time again for Letters to Me. Just click on the Send a Letter button in Contests and Promotions on SheridanMedia.com. Type in your child's letter to me, and every Friday morning, Santa will read the letters received that week live during the 7 a.m. hour on the Tommy and Bell Coyote Morning Show. One good little boy and girl will be chosen to receive a special toy courtesy of Kids Curious. Thanks to Buckingham Lumber, Jack and Kathleen Wood of 307 Real Estate, and Sheridan Media for this special hotline to Santa. Ho, ho, ho! Morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. My next guest is the executive director of Sage Community Arts and my friend, Jill Benson. Good morning, Jill, and welcome back. Good morning, Floyd. Now, uh, big things happening at Sage right now. What do we got going on? We have the third annual Members Pop-Up Show, and this is one of our absolute favorite favorite shows that we get to put together it's it culminates the whole year of everything that our member artists have done and we get to showcase them and not just the member gallery but they take over the exhibition gallery as well so we have twice as much artwork by our local beloved artists which is so very exciting and today is the kickoff day so it opens today and we run through january 6th and not only Will patrons who come in to see this amazing show support Sage and our local artists? But Sage has decided to, this will be our third year doing it, 
we are playing into that community aspect of Sage Community Arts, and we partner with, this year it's two non-art nonprofits, and Sage will split our commission with that nonprofit for the week that they are our partner. So this first week, our partner is the Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange, open house this Thursday, 5.30 to 7.30. Food, drink, and music by Aspen Grove Studios will be provided. And then December 21st, we will be partnered with the Bighorn Audubon Society. Music by Danielle Law, and food and drink will also be provided. That sounds like some great time. How many pieces we get in this year? Ooh, it's a little less than the last year, but it, it allowed it to kind of breathe a little more. So it just, it hung so beautifully. I'm saying, I'm guessing probably 100 to 150 pieces we have in there. Now, Emmy uh, came home. My wife was doing an internship with you for a while. She came home and she told me, you know, it didn't seem like there was many big, grandiose pieces, that people yeah. focused more on, on average to smaller pieces this year. Yes, definitely. The first year we did it, we had so many huge pieces. We were like, where, where, where are we going to put gonna these? Do these? <laughs> and what we've been able to do and part of the mission of Sage is how we can help educate our artists because we are there on the front line selling everything for them through our gallery. We're able to see what pieces are moving, talk to the, the buyers of like, what are you, you know, what are you going to spend on money or what do you see? And a lot of times if a piece strikes someone, they'll, they'll probably pay whatever, but those who are kind of the, the more casual art curious. So we, we've um, encouraged our artists to go more in a certain price range because we see those are the the ticket items that are selling mm -hmm. and a lot of our artists are listening to that and generally that'll mean they'll be a little bit smaller depending on canvas costs framing costs different things um, and we have a lot of great partnerships with some frame shops here who if you're a member of sage you'll get a discount there so we can have our business partners help offset that but still cost of everything's going up so Usually we'll see smaller pieces, but the quality is no less um, just oh, because absolutely. it's small. And so it's yeah. it's phenomenal to see. And it was really fun to try and play with how many small pieces do we, how do we give them the same presence as, because we still got a couple pieces that are five feet wide. So <laughs> like, how does it take up the same presence as this beautifully gigantic piece? And uh, my team was amazing. It was so much fun to put this show up as well, laying out each gallery and then getting to watch Rachel and Emmy put everything up together as we're working on. They're taking this while I'm taking that gallery. And it was just the camaraderie, the teamship, how we were working was just so much fun. And it was, um, we fell in love with the show and I hope the community falls in love with it just as much as we did. And I was talking to her when she got home and I said, you know, Jill has a gift. Jill's art is the curation of art. Like that is, in my opinion, one of your greatest skills. Because every time I walk in that gallery, it's just laid out so well. There is a flow that uh, if it's not there, you feel that it's not there. Mm -hmm. If it is there. It just, you can just walk through the gallery without ever thinking about it. So it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people get good attention for, but I think you have got that down pat. Uh, it's it's <laughs> always great. Now, is this juried? No, this is, you just have to be a SAGE member. And we are a little more laxed on some of our uh, 
guidelines that we put in, we say you can bring up to three pieces, uh, one of them being, you know, can be up to five feet wide. Um, Height-wise, we can play a lot more with, but width-wise, we have to still constrict a little bit, but we let them bring in more pieces versus our regular turnovers um, in just the member gallery is two pieces and a little bit smaller. So um, this is also a specialty show. It only runs about six weeks instead of generally the member galleries up for about 15, 13 weeks. So um, again, to try and concentrate, appreciate our members at the end of the year, especially, you know, try to get that kind of hot season of people looking for gifts. How do we yeah. give that unique Christmas holiday gift to someone? It's like, what better way than the gift of local art from Absolutely. somebody you you might know, you might see, appreciate that you could actually end up meeting this artist, connecting with them and have this, uh, your, you could start your collection with your original piece of art. Now, are we going to have, and, and I don't have a lot of time, but are we going to have the artists there at these receptions? Can we, we are speak to them? encouraging them to show up. So hopefully, you know, Knock on wood, we don't seem to be having the apocalyptic weather we did last year. So hey, yeah, yeah. knock that. on that wood. Yep. Uh, so we're hoping that we'll get a turnout um, pretty good of our artists coming in because this one is the reception for them. Yeah. And our, I love when Aspen Grove is there, but it is very busy because we have our young singers there. And so we'll see a different set of artists that will show up for that one versus um, at the 21st, the kind of that last one wrapping up, we'll see another set because we just, we try to play to different, like the, the younger crowd, kids coming in, getting them excited to be in the gallery. And then maybe a little more, we're getting ready for Christmas. Let's relax, take a deep breath. And Here just enjoy go. the setting, yes. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's been really great the last couple of years to be able to play it that two ways we get to pull in, you know, because we have over a hundred some artists showing with us yeah. and so to allow them to come in whatever capacity is comfortable for them we've offered multiple settings and i think that's fantastic uh, uh last year i think uh, we went to one of the performances and mm -hmm. we're able to walk around the place was just so full of people yes. <laughs> but being able to talk to that many individuals about art and local art and style and mediums boy it was just a breath of fresh air it was fantastic to oh, just kind so of be glad. in that crowd yes. right mm -hmm. and so if, if folks if you haven't attended one of these uh, I'm gonna get those dates and those times up online for you to, today because I want you to be at one of these and just experience what it's like to be with our local artists and Jill I want to thank you so much oh, for coming so in much, this morning <laughs> I greatly appreciate you sneaking in here and just uh, giving us a good <laughs> heads up on that all right. Thank you for listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM Sheridan. The team at First Federal Bank and Trust is once again partnered with Sheridan Media for our annual Christmas Wish Campaign, a campaign to help people who've fallen on temporary hard times. Our team at First Federal Bank and Trust is committed to helping individuals and families in our community who need a helping hand up. Our commitment has been and continues to be our community. In years past, the Christmas Wish program has provided gift certificates for groceries, gifts for children, and paying bills. I invite you to join the First Federal Bank and Trust team in supporting the Christmas Wish Campaign. Hi, Danielle. 
Happy holidays. I'm so excited to perform at the Wyatt Theatre with you this December. Oh, me too. I love Frank Sinatra. Christmas My Way, a Sinatra holiday bash, is the perfect way to celebrate the holidays. And with our amazing team, we'll be just like the Rat Pack, crooning on the Wyatt stage. And the Rat Pack was definitely not for kids. <laughs> Swinging carols, singing standards, every single one recorded by old Blue Eyes himself. He sang so many great tunes. This is going to be a night to remember. Don't miss out on the singingest, swingingest Christmas of all. Christmas My Way, a Sinatra holiday bash, December 15th through the 17th at the Wyo Theatre. Tickets at wyotheatre.com. weather season is accompanied by the common winter vehicle failures like dead batteries, heat flowing cold air, check engine lights, and poor traction issues. If this happens to you, think of Midas for your solution. They work on all makes and models of cars and trucks and will expedite repairs to get you safely back on the road. Midas even offers a free winter checkup as well as $20 off synthetic oil change and up to $100 off select tires this month. Happy holidays from your locally owned Midas. The 26th Annual Christmas Wish Campaign continues, and the committee's hard at work assessing and granting wishes. Here's another Christmas wish. We have three small children and one on the way. My husband has been working extremely hard all year to make ends meet, but it has definitely been a struggle. We were recently able to move into a small apartment so the kids could have their own bedroom, and now the holiday season is upon us, and we find ourselves having to spend money we don't have just to keep up with things. We're doing what we can to make sure the kids have a Christmas, but we could really use a little help. If you're willing to help the Sheridan family, the best way to do so is a cash donation to the Christmas Wish Program. You can go online at SheridanMedia.com or bring it to our offices at 1716 KROE Lane. And thank you to our community sponsors, A-Line Roofing and Exteriors, Advanced Auto Body, Wyoming Corporate Office, Odell Construction, Atlas Chiropractic, First Federal Bank and Trust, and Heartland Kubota.